Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Conversations Against Living Miserably is brought to you in collaboration with Calm, obviously, Dave, obviously, and Murdoch London Barbers. Hello, Newcastle calling. 12 points to you for tuning in to another episode of Conversations Against Living Miserably. Oh, I proper miss you, Revision. I saw that they've got like a full contingency plan to ensure that they can go ahead no matter what, in whatever capacity next year, which to be honest is absolutely a nugget of information slowly getting me through some days. I know a lot of bad things have happened in 2020. I mean, a lot. But surely Iceland being robbed of their undoubted victory in Eurovision 2020 is the biggest travesty of them all. We need justice. Oh, as I'm talking there, I've got like a little ulcer on my lip. Well, not on my lip, like, you know, inside my lip. So that's still my lip, isn't it? It's only inside my mouth. But as I'm talking, like, I can feel it hitting off my teeth and it's really hurting me. But I'm soldiering on through the pain for you because you mean that much to me. Thank you so much for joining us for another week. We've got another fantastic guest for you today. She's a multi-award winning stand-up, an incredible writer and director who's behind the Sketch Group Games Family gift shop, the host of global smash hit podcast All Killer No Filler, and undeniably one of the best dressed people in comedy. It's only bloody Kerry Pritchard McLean. In today's episode, we'll be chatting about mental health informers, being a workaholic and getting shit together at 30. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome. 
welcome to today's episode of Conversations Against Living Miserably. Today we are joined by the wonderful Kerry Pritchard McLean. Hey guys. McLean? McLean. Yeah, McLean. Die hard, not toothpaste. Yeah. Yeah. Sassy line I give people when they're bringing me on as an MC. (laughs) Had the horrible moment there. I was like, have I been pronouncing your name wrong? No, don't worry about it. (laughs) Also, I don't really know how to pronounce my, well, I say Kiri, but Mm -hmm. people say Kiri. Mm. And Mm. if it's a Maori name, Rose Matafeo says curry oh. like that, ah. yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I'd never heard anyone pronounce it, but pronouncing it probably before. Yeah. And then I realised because it's like quite jarring. I was like, oh, this is how people feel when I'm like Chris instead of Chris, when I'm like really deliberately being like Geraint, <laughs> saying people's names. It's a great feeling. <laughs> I have such name anxiety. Mm. That's a thing. Like just think because my name gets wrong all the time. I get Laura or I get Pattinson, that, and I know how it makes me feel. And I'm often too shy to call people out on it, mm. yeah. so I get so panicky about saying people's name wrong. People I've known for ages, like Lolly Adafope, mm-hmm. pal of mine. But in my head, I'm like, don't get this wrong because you'll look a racist. So yeah. immediately, I get her name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so like anything that's like not John Smith, I panic about because I'm like, I'm gonna look like a member of the EDL when I'm like, I'm just <laughs> yeah. gonna call you George because it's easy for me. <laughs> I think. I didn't know how to pronounce your surname until you did the intro on the podcast. And I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Oh. I did a, a talk uh, on Saturday and I got introduced as Aaron Galililies. Galililies. And it's the first time I've ever had Galililies. And I was really happy and really annoyed that it wasn't my actual <laughs> name. <laughs> well, first question that we ask everybody is when was the last time you felt calm? Ooh, um, calm. Oh, my gosh. I guess that's not a feeling I think about having a lot. I was like, do you know what? Actually, it was probably at Christmas. So I go back to Wales where I'm from at Christmas and my family has farm in the middle of nowhere. So I go back there and it's, it's very quiet. It's very peaceful. If I'm there, I'm only ever with people I love. There's no mobile phone signal, so there's no work. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not really... The internet is terrible. <laughs> um, so I think it would be at Christmas... Uh, watching a Muppet's Christmas Carol, uh, which, uh, although it's very stimulating, very calming for me, with my friends and family. But yeah, calm, weirdly, is not a feeling I really think about having. Because even things like that are meant to calm you down, I was talking about this recently, I find incredibly irritating. Mm-hmm. Like mindfulness apps. I'm yeah. like, you breathe out. Like, <laughs> I just don't like being told what to do. And like yoga as well. I've just started doing like a yoga thing. Yoga with Adrian. I'm sure everyone's talking about it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I really like that her dog's there, but other that I'm like yeah all right crack on mm. like I hate anything uh, like ASMR I find incredibly irritating yeah. I'm like get a real job <laughs> just finds out, I'm like who has the time to do this stuff it feels incredibly indulged mm. which is part of the problem that anything I consider being calm I see as being indulgent um, but yeah I think it's when it's just and no one can answer those emails so there's no work I can do really I just mm. have to lie on that sofa mainlining bucks fizz yes. <laughs> it does feel like calmness is such a luxury doesn't it the more I yeah. think about it that seems to be people's general consensus is like you were even saying before like you feel guilty for doing things yeah that make me feel calm but mm. calmness shouldn't be a luxury shouldn't it? no it's just yeah. so difficult to find it just like Nowadays. tampons essential item yes <laughs> not a luxury <laughs> or calmness tax yeah. <laughs> i guess that's being employed but then being unemployed Ooh. is like the inc- incredibly yes. stressful because i was thinking about you should be calm for at least like once a day but even mm. especially with phones as well when i'm lying in bed that bit before bed i'm on my phone stimulated looking yeah. at stuff mm-hmm. it should be a daily occurrence 
that's such a rare thing. When was the first time you became aware of mental health being a thing, be it positive or negative? Hmm, let me think. I guess I would have been acutely aware of it growing up because I think the men in our family really struggle with their mental health. And there was like euphemistic talk of people being like plagued by the black dog. And I was like, Oh, you mean when daddy's sad and shouts? <laughs> you know, like, and, like I definitely got the thin end of the wedge. I want to be really clear with that. My brothers had it because they had, my parents had such huge money troubles grow, um, when my brothers were growing up. There's a big age gap. So by the time I came along, they were far more comfortable. And I had a comfortable, I would say, middle class upbringing. My brothers didn't. But like the stories that my brothers tell about how my dad was when he was clearly very sick. Got, he got laid off and like he's one of those very alpha masculine and the breadwinner guys and then he's suddenly in this farm in the Lenoa Wales with three kids and no job and no prospects and so they the, the way it was sort of talked about in shrouded terms and then definitely with my brothers as well that one of my other brothers was sort of quite changeable mm-hmm. um so i guess uh i'm just trying to think about how how much how comfortable he would be talking me talking about this we can edit it mm-hmm. afterwards if yeah. you say anything that you're so, not happy with yeah i think i've just been aware definitely of men's mental health in my life and like an uncle that they were like oh you never know which one's going to turn up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and that was just like someone who's undiagnosed unmedicated not receiving any help but just like well that's just what he's like and, and especially the men in my family the the Welsh side you it's almost like a, you can physically see a thundercloud hanging over their head it's in the, their face changes colour like they looked their complexion looks different and so I was aware of it but I wouldn't have been articulate enough to know that that was mental health I just yeah. knew it was this thing but but it's ethereal isn't it it's mm. not because you know as, as everyone says like if you've got a broken leg you can see it but with mental health it's just although you can see it in like their pallor you know you, you just don't know what it is it's kind mm. of in, intangible do you think there's a difference as well growing up and more of like a countryside environment and how people might tackle mental health and deal with mental health there compared to like a metropolitan city yeah i mean i can only speak of my experience yeah yeah so I grew up in Wales on a farm and we got out just after BSC and just before foot and mouth. The highest rate of suicides for a profession is in Welsh farmers. Really? So suicide was a fairly common backdrop to our upbringing of like men going missing, just mm-hmm. stopping existing. And it, it's, it's such a tough thing to talk about. And, and they've started to introduce some great things where they, you know, they get farmers along to do practical stuff under the pretense of actually just talking to them about their feelings because they're very very masculine it's often quite lonely work a very back-breaking work as well so you will physically see yourself getting slower which means you will like make less money on very tight margins also loads of people i know are farmers that's all they ever wanted to do and then suddenly that stops being viable what do you do then the one thing you've been bred for brought up for and trained in is become obsolete mm. and also they're expected to be business managers which these people aren't a lot of them aren't brilliant readers or writers because they weren't at school they were you know helping out with the hay making or lambing or whatever so it's just this group of very invisible people that were hit very badly by you know a couple of really unfortunate things and then globalization as well another casualty as well as like you know you're from an industrial like Mm -hmm. north northeast town but like farming as well was sort of i know they get lots of subsidies which is like i'm I'm not getting into that but you know there was definitely lots of people who were left behind you have to have a big huge almost factory farm to make it pay so yeah i was um definitely aware of how that wasn't spoken about i spoke about in hushed terms Mm -hmm. and never in terms of mental health and probably in terms of it being sad but selfish Mm -hmm. as well like that is that would have been my abiding memory of like well what's his wife gonna do now Mm -hmm. kind of thing as as opposed to like 
oh, that someone can get to that point. I talk about this in my, like, obviously, at the time of recording, everyone is talking about people taking their own lives mm-hmm. at the moment because it feels especially poignant. But I just, t- I have this, I'm very bad with grief anyway and intrusive thoughts when it comes to death. And then this, the, the fact that's being talked about, especially at the moment, I, um, what I th- always think about is anyone who possibly tries to make the argument about a su- suicide being a selfish act is when you watch, like, those war films that also those people are so keen on what people will go through to survive yeah. what people live through in concentration camps to survive and how hard people will work imagine being so consumed that the opposite of that feeling mm-hmm. is happening in you like it's utterly incomprehensible unless you have experienced it yeah. and i th- i've i've had thoughts definitely like darker thoughts where i'm like well like, it would just be easier if i wasn't here but i i haven't then gone and i'm gonna work out how to do it whereas i have friends close to me who have been like I've got to come round because I I've worked out that they those curtain poles can take my weight and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. I like how we can have anything other than overwhelming empathy towards that situation. I just wouldn't. I'll never yeah. know. Yeah. I saw. I think it was LNAR the other day. Cause you'll have this a lot with travelling on trains for work. I've regularly been on trains that have been affected by somebody jumping, yeah. and you'll see people the way they react. Like, oh well, that was such a selfish thing to do because mm. I'm actually going to London to see a show. And it's like, well, how amazing that you are so content in your life and have things to look forward to, but this yeah. person didn't have that. And I actually saw LNAR tweet the other day, we're really sorry if we've inconvenienced your journey, but somebody tonight, their family member isn't coming home. Mm. And I thought it was so brilliant for them to kind of just almost be like, have a bit of fucking compassion. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm so sorry that your plans have been like delayed, but yeah. somebody has a family member who isn't coming home tonight. Yeah. And so I think sometimes people need just a bit of a stark reminder. Did you know what LNAR now? If your train's delayed, you can give the money to Com. I did not you know, know that. The thing. Really? You know how you can get like delay repair yeah. and you can get it sent to you. There's now an option to donate that money to Com. Oh, which great. I think is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Really good. Yeah, that's such a good way of putting it as well. Because I've had like arguments with people on trains who've been like tutting and i'm like mm. what did you just do then because mm. i'm like think this through yeah mm-hmm. like yeah and, and even if you're having that reflexive moment where you're like this i've been trying to get home for two weeks and this is the first time i'm going to see my partner and be like yeah and you're going to get to see that yeah. human like and oh. maybe hold them a little bit tighter when you do get there yeah get to see them absolutely definitely yeah i see it a lot as well the it's selfish argument now i don't think it is because to me being selfish is putting yourself and your feelings above everybody else whereas when you're in that position you care about yourself that little you want to remove yourself mm. like it's not to... people think they're doing the best thing for their family and yeah. friends yeah. yeah that's the rationale is like that they apply what we understand is skewed logic mm-hmm. but like the logic of i am so worthless and so shit and such a burden yeah that this that is the best this thing is the to best do. thing for everyone i love mm-hmm. they think they're doing it's the ultimate selfless act yeah. oh god it's so so awful so awful not exactly a hot take that <laughs> kiri says suicide's awful <laughs> cool babes <Yeah>. cool <laughs> thank god someone finally said it <laughs> When did you become aware of kind of your own mental health and looking after that? Um, well, I think I, when I was first in uni, um, so I went to a university first to do psychology, where all the maddest people go. <laughs> I know that's not very inclusive language, but I'm talking about myself. Um, and then I went and did drama. But that first year, I did that thing where I went to university from a small town, big fish, small pond, went to Liverpool and was like, did that thing of like, I know what uni's about, <laughs> and then didn't find anyone I really got on with. Right. And then was like, I'm the only person in the world not having fun and I just wanted to be at home all the time and then you feel 
like a failure and then your friends from home are like oh I've got to go I'm out going to like they're clicking with all their mates in yeah. halls and I was just like that feeling of like being overwhelmed outcast all that stuff that I really recognise now and then you're like yeah that now is like being very unhappy mm-hmm. and just things of like I remember there being like a day where I was like all I've got to do is go and pay this check in at the, which really ages this <laughs> check in at the bank and it's like so I know the bank shuts at four so I need to leave here at like half three and being in bed and it just that one thing you have to do sliding past yeah. and be like I've been in bed all day again. Mm-hmm. I've done nothing. And then you feel worse and then you're up really late and then you sleep in again, you know, and you just use everything you're doing is contributing towards like not making you feel better and like not moving around all the stuff that I understand now that like actually exercise makes me feel better but I'm in this room I'm you know in my head I'm just watching a screen all, all this stuff mm-hmm. that's just wasn't basically taking care of myself mm-hmm. and then it was allowing the idea that everyone's having the best time of their goddamn lives except for you what's wrong with you um yeah so that I, I remember feeling like I don't know what this is and I don't think it was depression mm-hmm. but it was like not feeling great and yeah. being aware of my mental health definitely and then just like it was also in the tail end of like you know when you're with someone when you're like 18 and you think this is the love of all ages and you'll be together forever yeah. and then breaking up to go to uni and then sort of still being together really mm-hmm. but then not and all that was like an utter head fuck for me basically yeah. and I was sort of all over the place and very erratic and very rational like anyone who would have met me there like will absolutely think I'm a piece of shit and that's fine because I was and like you look back at yourself and you don't really recognise yourself yeah. I was just like a kid who's utterly overwhelmed and also managing my own exactly. finances like you know I'd always worked but I didn't pay rent at home and I was on like I was working 70 hour weeks as a chef which sure I was getting 200 quid which is appalling <laughs> but when you don't really have overheads mm-hmm. and petrol's cheap I was living a great life and yeah. then I go to uni and I'm paying for myself and my parents aren't doing it I'm paying for everything like it's a huge huge thing to take on and yeah so that's when I really remember being like oh I think how I feel in my brain is affecting how I feel about Mm. everything Mm -hmm. also that thing of not knowing yourself enough to cut people out of your life who aren't good for you yeah I think that's such such an important lesson to learn and it it comes so late in life I think it's for me I learned that just about after I turned 30 Mm. it's like you can cut toxic people out of your life that is absolutely fine if they are not bringing if they're not making your life better then why are you hanging around with them yeah and also I've been that person that people have cut out as mm. well because yeah, there's parts of me that like brings out the worst in them or there's or there's just me that they're like not not my vibe mm-hmm. and absolutely fine and I recognise that now although it feels quite brutal at the time mm-hmm. like it, whatever you got to do to make you feel alright and yes you're so so right about 30 for me and I still find it hard now I've recognised that I've got into patterns with people where I'm like this is not equal and this isn't the one that makes me feel good about myself but I'm in it now and you know you're like I don't want the drama sometimes yeah. of, of, of leaving it but you're in it but yeah I got better at managing that kind of stuff because uh, also you just it's always the things that like you don't the people you don't want to see and the things you don't want to do you end up spending more time on and, yeah. and you're like those gorgeous people that make you feel good about yourself you're like oh they'll slide down the list because they'll always be there yeah, yeah. they're and safe there they'll always be there exactly they, yeah. and it's those people that you should really like nourish yourself with this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom a mother figure or yourself as a mom find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation 
Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So then... So, yeah, I had sort of an understanding about mental health and I I think, I, yeah, it's just everything was all over the shop and, like, hormone-wise was all over the shop. Um, so that was the first sort of inkling of it and then went and changed my course and then I, I went back to Liverpool because um, I really loved the city. I thought mm. it was really cool. But I moved to Salford Uni, went and did that like performance course, immediately clicked with people. Met someone in the halls who was on a performance course as well, but in a different uni. Still one of my dearest best friends today. Like, just clicked and everything started to turn around a bit more. But it was a case of, like, really stepping back from people who weren't doing me much good. And also that I was being really harmful towards and mm-hmm. they were rightly trying to extract themselves i honestly thought that i was like mm, mental health doesn't really affect me yeah. do you know what i mean of that yeah. thing of being like thinking i'd what intellectualize my way out of <laughs> something that you can't control and then it all absolutely hit me at 30 various circumstances one of which was like a very unhealthy relationship and i was just having these things i didn't know what was going on so i was like just feel like i was dying sometimes and it was panic attacks i just didn't know what they were because i never had them and just things like self-harm me i'd never done it before so i did i was like doesn't everyone pull chunks of their hair out when they get stressed mm-hmm. and just uh, hy- hyperventilate and you know do- doesn't everyone do this mm-hmm. stuff that's what life is isn't it but you know i'd managed to sort of go yeah that's totally normal that's part of being in a relationship and of course it's not like of yeah. course it's not that that's extreme coping mechanisms when your brain is hurting and your body is being like trying to manage everything that's going on and even when i kind of knew it was happening i was like no it can't happen to me and also i don't have the time for this yeah like being like no i'm my work is everything I can't do anything that affects my work. I was doing this show about being gaslit. So I was previewing it and I was in Sheffield at a preview. So I'm about to go on stage. Always wear like mad shit when I'm on stage. Always full face of makeup. It's how I like, I, I love it because mm-hmm. I don't get to go out anymore. I never did from doing like comedy yeah. from 23. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it's a night out, girl. <laughs> just for me. <laughs> so like it's part of the fun for me mm-hmm. is like dressing up. So part of the, the thing of uh, when I started to speak out about this relationship is part of their coping mechanism was 
kind of publicly go, they're a liar and they're mad, which is what was happening privately. Mm-hmm. And now it's happening publicly. And every time it would just send me into this, because you believe what is written about you is the mm-hmm. first thing that when it's been, you've had a long time being conditioned to believe that you're insane. And this, uh, they had heard just like that week, I think that I um, was doing a show about gaslighting. And then there was this huge, huge diatribe about me that I saw as I was about to go on stage. And I pulled up at the venue and I had this enormous hysterical panic attack and I was just being like I couldn't get out of the car and uh so bad so unwell and like I never felt like that before and I've never nothing has ever happened where I felt like I couldn't go on stage mm-hmm. like I've literally because she's the most insensitive woman in the world my mum texts me to go I've got cancer again as I was about to go and record something and I was like right I'm just gonna have to deal with that and then yeah. went and did like a panel show yeah and then also text me your nana's dead like as I was just like getting off stage for something and then had to do another gig afterwards mm-hmm. like classic my mum to just deliver this stuff <laughs> by text um <laughs> oh yeah another one your auntie's dead do you need any of those things that hang over doors to keep your shoe it's in I was like it's not really the <laughs> same, same text yeah. kind of thing is it so yeah i had this like just read this thing and was like oh god i can't i can't move let alone go on stage and and the promoter was like came and like gave me a glass of water and then was like oh but they are expecting two acts Hmm. and i was like okay Hmm. as in like i was kind of being like well look at me like and they were like oh no they are sort of expecting two previews so basically it was like you know and was like this isn't you, you know, you're tough. And like, yeah. so I tear stained in dog hair covered jeans and a jumper went up on stage and just did like half an hour of gear. So I would be allowed to leave. Yeah. But like actually having no real empathy or sympathy. Like mm-hmm. if I'd seen someone like that, I'd be like, I'm going to get someone to come and get you or yeah. like, let's get you some food. Let's get you there. Like, you know, just like, but just being like, Oh, well they have booked for two acts. <laughs> like, Come on, mate. <laughs> I mean, absolute pieces. It was horrific. And it wasn't like I got on stage and everything was fine. It was fucking shit. Yeah. It was horrible. And I felt like any, I couldn't make eye contact with anyone in the audience. Cause I thought that human connection would immediately make me burst into tears and I'm trying to have some ownership over what is being done to my life mm-hmm. and it's all evaporating in front of me and then I'm like another thing about being from Wales is <laughs> just like there was no the first time I've been on stage and there's been no solace in it mm-hmm. it was horrible and I just like I don't think I've done anything for that they're not a bad guy but they actually no they have turned out to be one of the bad guys <laughs> but um, just that thing of being like come on mm-hmm. like we should be better at recognising especially they going i really don't think i can do this they've been like pep talk is not gonna fix it like yeah. we have to trust that people know themselves and know their own health and their exactly. capabilities for all that like comedians i think talk very openly and brilliantly about mental health i don't think our industry cares no. in, the individuals within it do but those wider power structures i once had a conversation with somebody who thought on you and trusted very well and i said i was like finding things a bit difficult and i was like i'm looking at my diary and i'm a bit overwhelmed by the amount of work and gigs I have to do and the amount of travelling when I'm feeling like this and he went well you can't pull gigs because people will think you're unreliable and oh then so that, and I was in the worst possible place to hear that because yeah. then I was like oh my god so, so I can't pull them because if I pull them I'm unreliable and then I won't get any more 
more and then that's my career over before it's even started so I have to go and do this and I was traveling all over feel like literally crying on the train crying on the walk there <laughs> have you ever seen this is a very niche reference the Katy Perry documentary <laughs> yeah 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 where, <laughs> she's, where she's on the bed and then they just like push her on stage she goes up on she rustles just like <laughs> left her or cheated on her or whatever and it's as she's going up the lift to go on stage just this smile comes on and I just felt like that constantly mm. I'd literally be crying before I went on and then having to be like so willies are funny oh yeah. man yeah and I just thought and they are funny this. to be fair yeah. yeah it's great material God, just a little bit from an industry that is so probably talk so openly about mental health just those people some of the people in positions of power do not do enough to look after people no not, not at think. all and I think because money was a, an overhanging thing mm-hmm. in our household it's like you don't turn down work if you're being offered it yeah because yeah. you know and then also the freelancing of what if they don't ask again so you have that constantly hanging over you so unless I am out to the country or doing something else I will say yes to something mm-hmm. I've agreed to do gigs where my agents phone me and want you're on a plane when you've said you can do this <laughs> mm-hmm. like you're in a different time zone don't agree to do everything but I'm like, but I want to do it as well, yeah. like, because you love your job. Because I was also like, don't be unreliable. I've like never pulled mm. a gig. I went and done it before, where I had like everyone else at this wedding. I think got the norovirus. I had it as well. I was drinking Pepsi Bismol on stage, and I bought. I had two pairs of the same trousers, sequined, uh-huh. sure. Um, and I brought a spare pair with me because I was like, if I, I'm gonna shit myself. Yeah. But I was like, I can't pull the gig. So what I've got much better at now is saying and speaking up rather than getting to the point where I'm exhausted and sobbing, mm-hmm. which is the first stage of not being well yeah like exhaustion will bring on faster than anything and just all the stuff that comes with them i feel like since i've had like my mental health pretty shattered from uh, stuff that happened to me i feel like i'm a pot that's you know got cracks in and if there's too much water in it like it will seep out so that's why Mm -hmm. i see it as like you've got to be smart about those things the cracks will always be there but i've just got to get better at managing it if i'm exhausted all these things will come back i'll get far more paranoid about the way i look and more controlling about like Mm. more down on the way that i look which i day to day i'm actually like this is it it's fine right but i'm like i'm too fat i'm too this i'm like you start playing in my head i'll be like i'm worthless i don't know why my partner is with me i'm a letdown he's so brilliant what have i done i'm wasting his time all this stuff i'm a bad friend i'm a bad sister i'm a bad daughter all this stuff will just come tumbling down on you and it's because you've got no coping mechanisms because you're like my parents always since i was a young like kid as soon as i could work at 14 they were always like you're burning the candle at both ends you're burning yeah. the candle at mm-hmm. both ends but they're right it's like you can't run on nothing like oh, yeah. something's got to give and usually it's like actually first it's my temperament i'll get really gr- i'll be quite shitty with people and then it's like exhaustion and now i've got much better as when i start feeling when i get a bit mopey and start moaning about my work and my partner's like we get to do this we don't have to do this good mm-hmm. and reminds me of that because i know i'm lucky i i will call my agent and be like we need to take stuff out of the diary mm-hmm. but it's brutal mm-hmm. and then she'll go through it and and she'll be like what about this and about oh no we won't do that and then she's like okay well there's nothing we can take out if you're <laughs> going to be like that yeah. so we have to take something out so what is it going to be but it's really hard oh, totally is that like mental health conditions are inherently selfish anyway because you are always thinking about yourself and so constantly almost obsessed with everything that's going on with you that to do anything that could be slightly perceived as selfish outside in that in the real world mm-hmm. is just an absolute no because you don't want to put any more pressure on anyone else because you already feel yeah. the pressure you're putting on yourself it just feels like you're adding more to them when but actually feel, yeah they yeah, they don't probably feel like kept... such a letdown of a human yeah. that you're like but then if i cancel stuff i'm letting down other people and oh see i am a letdown it's just a never-ending cycle 
well. And it's actually <laughs> it's actually okay to be selfish yeah. and look after yourself and go, do you know what? I'm like I've done I've burnt out so many times and it's one of those great lessons like right I did it this time I'm never doing it again and then a couple of weeks later like oh, fuck's sake um, yeah. but you do you kind of like you just work and work and you get to this point and you just can't do anymore and you do have to just kind of put your hand up and say right okay I fucked up I'm not doing very well I can't do these things mm-hmm. and yeah no one's going to hold it against you the, the person that's going to make you feel the worst about it is you also like looking at it in it like really sort of trying to step back from it it is much better to not do a job because you're not well enough than to do a fucking shit job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That will yeah. get around quicker than you being unreliable. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? Agents are clever. It's their job to make up excuses about why you can't do shit that you don't want to do or can't do. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's on you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's their job. Like, I, know, I appreciate not everyone has an agent. Who's listening to like, <laughs> uh, if you work a desk, get an agent. <laughs> they can call in sick for you. But, you know, like, it is that thing of we have to let ourselves off. And I think it also comes with this, like, I'm trying to, this year, one of my New Year's resolutions is to not fetishize hard work. Yeah. Not yes. to be like, I haven't slept, I'm doing this, like, which I do because I'm like, it's a kind of a way of being proud of myself. Mm-hmm. And also to justify the fact I feel so guilty about doing comedy. And it's basically, you know, a frivolous thing to do. So I'm like, yeah, but I'm working hard at being frivolous. I don't have any time off at mm-hmm. being frivolous. But like this capitalist idea that we're only worth what we're working and making and contributing towards, you know, the system mm-hmm. or whatever is really unhelpful because also the flip side of it is you make anyone who's not able to or you know working feel like shit and also if i did less work there'd be more to go around (laughs) like stop doing two people's workload kiri like you can relax a bit and it's as well like when people sort of like weaponize it so i remember like say when i used to work in the bar and i'd be like oh i'm so tired i've done like this my like third shift this week and someone would be like three shifts oh oh you're tired after three well i've worked six and it's like it's not a competition Mm -hmm. like yeah. Okay, you feel exhausted after six, I feel exhausted after three, <coughs> but we're all doing different things with our personal life as yeah. well. And it was like this comment that you weren't allowed to be tired if you hadn't worked as much as somebody else. And it was like, okay, sorry, didn't yeah. realise there was a rule. <laughs> well, there is, and then when you get to 30, people are like, try having kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the <laughs> You signed up to it, fucker. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, do you want to play some anxiety bingo? Yes. Uh, so this is anxiety, like an anxiety bingo, where we give you two sides of the same anxious coin, and it's which situation would you rather be in? Oh, I like, I like this one. I'll do this one. Would you rather always be late to meet or always be the one left waiting? Um, I'm always late to meet, mm-hmm. as today will attest. <laughs> but I would much rather be early. But like, because I have an attention deficit disorder as well. Mm. So by its nature, is you agree to things that are physically impossible. Yep. You like, you know, I've had meetings within me meetings like my partner sometimes will be like i've seen that day on the diary yeah um it's like impossible like you've given yourself three minutes to get to the other side of london mm-hmm. so you're going to be late and then it makes you late and then late and then late so i would much rather be the person who sat there on their phone being like it's all right i'll wait mm-hmm. than what i am which is constantly late for everything and i said to him this happened last week i had a day where it was like four meetings and i'd given myself like no time to actually manage it I said, oh, I've, I've got a real attention deficit day at the end of the month. And he's like, we'll take something out. And I was like, I can't. I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not just because I feel like I can't, but also because, like, otherwise I'm going to have to be in London another day. I don't live here and I don't like being here. It is not good for my mental health. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I get Lauren's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, if I have to be here another day, that is worse to me than having a very stressful day. And then as soon as I'm like, you know, like, I'm always the first thing, I'm like, oh, fuck this, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. But you just got to, like, I'm, I made this bed and it'd be very apologetic and, yeah, God, so stupid. I'm a late person. 
I think people think it's like a bad, a negative thing about you, which I suppose is a little way it is. But also, as someone who's dead anxious, if I'm the one left waiting and I'm like, oh my God, they're not going to turn up. Oh my God, I've got the wrong... The amount of times I will on a like very rare occasion be early and I'll be like, well, I'm in the wrong place because they're not here. Mm-hmm. Oh really? my God. And then I'll be like checking the phone, being like, well, they said this address. Yep, I'm at this address. Have I got the right time? I've got the right time. So if I'm late, then I know the other person is probably already <laughs> going to be there. Mm-hmm. So when I get there, I'd rather just do the whole apology of, oh, I'm so sorry. It was the tube. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't, Lauren. You sat by the front door, not sure exactly when to leave. <laughs> but yeah, just that thought of being left waiting. I was 45 minutes late for my first date with Matt. Oh my 45 God. Minutes. Yeah, because I was that anxious because I'd not really done dating before either. That was like, oh, I forget then he's not there. Oh my God, I forget then I can't fight. At least if I know for definite he... In fact, I could have just been 10 minutes late. That would have been politer. <laughs> but I got myself so worked up that I was going to be left waiting and feeling like a mug. I was like, well, he'll definitely be there now. <laughs> <laughs> and if he stayed, he's really keen. Exactly. Yep. What a keeper. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> so, but I'm not at the, the high point of waiting 45 minutes. <laughs> everything's uphill from there. <laughs> uh, would you like to ask our last question? Yeah. If you could go back to your younger self and give yourself some advice on mental health or living without misery, what would you tell yourself? Oh, interesting. Hmm. I think I would explain to myself that mental health everyone lives with mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. So just be a bit more self-aware in terms of that and look after yourself. I know that sounds like self-care is a term that just gets thrown around so much but it is so important and it shouldn't be seen as an indulgence it should be like you know we never like i can't believe my car wants oil and we you know like and and don't like like food is fuel and like we have to look after ourselves like if you had a pet you would never be like get back on that wheel hamster you'd be like i oh, get that it needs to sleep or just sort of like you know lie there for a bit or look at things like that is part of being a happy functioning organism not that i'm like hamsters are the absolute peak of happiness <laughs> sat there in the corner of a classroom in a cage <laughs> but you know just that thing that like it's all right to look after yourself which do you know what again is such a privileged thing because often the things to look after yourself involve finance mm. and if you are don't have access to those things so like now i'm lucky enough that i've uh, you know i've done stuff where i can be like i can afford to take time off prior to the last probably like two years I have that has not been an option and because I've been the breadwinner and to the point you know we're underwriting things that are going on around you and it's you know so I'm just really aware of being like if I was me growing up would this actually apply Mm -hmm. but I, I guess it can be like cheap things like you know I, I calm down if I'm in the countryside or if I, even if I'm in a park I'm a lot calmer if I'm around countryside so it's recognising the things that are good for you and doing more of them and the people who are good for you fuck off the cunts basically <laughs> <laughs> let's get out on a tea towel yeah that's a perfect Amazing. way to end it perfect thank you so much thank you thank you cheers that is all from us for another episode of conversations against living miserably i hope you enjoyed that and uh, i hope you didn't just hear my tummy rumbling there because to be honest i feel like i started off on a really nice roll there i had some nice rhythm going to this outro and i don't want to have to re-record it because you heard my rumbly tumbly huge thank you to kiri for stopping by and chatting with us now if you want to catch kiri performance see some of her comedy her latest show victim complex which was her 2019 Edinburgh Fringe show. I saw it afterwards on tour and was absolutely blown away. It's phenomenal. She has recorded that and it's available for you to buy right now. 
You can get that online from www.gumroad.com. That's the name of the website. So if you go there and type Kerry's name into the search bar, up she'll pop. You can buy that and watch it from home. Plus 20% of the money is going to Welsh Women's Aid. So you can sit back and enjoy some fab comedy while donating to a very worthy cause. Lots of love, as always, to Aaron and the team at Dave and Calm, which, uh, speaking of worthy causes, you've already helped Calm, probably without realising, as the ad money from this goes to Calm, so just by listening, you've helped out. But of course, if you have a few quid spare, Calm are always so grateful and appreciative for any donations, so that they can continue doing the invaluable work that they do. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. If you want to help us out by doing all the usual podcast things, like, share, subscribe, rate, review, we're very grateful for that as well. And we hope to catch you again soon. Look after yourselves. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye, bye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh, no. Oh, my God, it's, it's a really long video. Ew. In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do, tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum, Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad, Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone, a Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. <laughs>